Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of All Queued Up, your review podcast tied to streaming services like Amazon Prime, Peacock, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Amazon Prime. I think I said that, what, three times total? Anyway, uh, I'm your host, Greg Dietz. I repeat my words sometimes, deal with it. And uh, always with me is my co-host, Maya Don Fisher. How's your week been? It's been a pretty good week. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't think of anything bad that happened at all. Obviously, yeah. you know that the story that I told you the other day, but it's been so peaceful the past six days. <laughs> <laughs> so peaceful. So, yeah. Nothing bad has happened for me. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to play D and D this week. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to. We're not. We're not. We're not, we're not. We're not going to go into details. Just uh, it, it's unfortunate, but we have a friend we're thinking of. That's all yep. I'll say. Yep. And uh, let's see. Had a doctor's appointment yesterday. Everything's good. Got my A1C under control. It was down to a 6.6, so that's really good. Uh, Blood pressure good. Kidney function good. All of my lab numbers came back great. So, yeah, nothing bad going on here. Uh, Nothing really much to report. What about you, Greg? How was your week? Uh, Busy. I, like, between... Regular activities at home, trying to do chores every day for the last 10 days, or 10 days before Monday. So I've had the last uh, Monday, Tuesday, and today off, um, which is nice. I have to work tomorrow, but um, that was because my boss went on a cruise. And uh, so I you know, had to be there the whole thing because there's only three of us that work in that place. Um, but uh, I was sitting there thinking, cool, I'm getting about a cool 500 from my paycheck this week, right? Because usually we're part time, so I usually get about three hundred. Yeah, and uh, I get my paycheck, and my like it's it's uh, automatically put into my account, and it is two hundred and fifty, and I'm like, the what? fuck. So I'm looking at it. And I'm like, he only paid me for fucking for uh, seventeen hours, seventeen or eighteen hours, something like that. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? I worked thirty four. What the fuck happened? And I'm I'm looking and I'm looking. I'm trying to figure out like how I got paid so little. So he calls me at one point talking about uh fuck, what was he talking about? He was talking about something, I don't remember, but um I said, uh, real quick question about my pay. I only got like two fifty, like I thought I was getting about five hundred. He's like, No, 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 I remember how you owed me for like two days worth of work? And I was like, I thought we had that square because there was a situation during the uh um Christmas and New Year's time, just at the turn of the, the the new year, the company that he goes through kind of fucked up and paid me twice. Mm-hmm. So it was a certain amount of time I owed him. And like, then they took it to back. It. But that was the second one. The first one they didn't take back. The, the second one they did. So he like changed it and I was like, and then he owed me like seven hours and I was like, mm-hmm. cool, we paid that back. I thought we were fully square. So I'm talking to him and he goes, no, you owed me two days. And I'm like, when did I owe you two days? I thought we had that squared away. And he goes, uh, he goes, no, I'm pretty sure you owed me two days. And I was like, I was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll look at the, we'll look at the shit when I get there Thursday. He's like, well, I'll take a look at it now. Cause it's pretty slow. I was like, okay. So he calls me back like an hour and a half later and he goes, so I figured it out. Remember in October when I, when I, 
I didn't when I typed in 32 instead of 23. And I went, oh yeah, that's right. So he I did owe him two eight hour shifts on back in October. But we never Jesus. got it we never got it squared away. And I'm like, okay, we're fully square now, right? <laughs> like no more fuck ups with my pay, right? So God. Well, that's unfortunate. Eh, it's it it is what it is. And I'd rather be squared away right now than not. So, no, I get that. Um, that being said, uh, I am getting a car. Um, the guy that owns the property that that my boss works in, his name is Sam. Sam has a what we believe is a 2002 um, uh, Acura mm-hmm. uh, with 160,000 miles on it. Apparently just needs a battery charge. Granted, you know, we're going to have to anything else with it. We're going to have to do. So like the battery needs to be replaced eventually. Um, it'll need to be smogged, registered, insured, all that shit. But once, once we're done with that, which my dad's confident we can get done pretty quick next week, we'll have a vehicle again, which I'm very fucking excited about. Cause It'll be nice not to use Uber all the fucking time or ask a neighbor or a friend to fucking take me somewhere. So much cheaper, too. I mean, yeah, gas isn't the cheapest thing in the world, but it's still cheaper than a fucking two-way Uber ride. Right. Right. Like, I'm so happy that my that my neighbor was like, yeah, I can help you out with uh, transportation this next week because 10 days of going back and forth to work would have been almost $200. So... Which is almost your whole paycheck. Yeah. That would have been rough for us, yeah. So she helped us out big time. But uh, but yeah, now that I'm squared, I don't have to worry about that shit with him anymore. We're going to you know, get that car next week and everything will be hunky-dory. Um, hopefully. I mean, my dad cracked me up because I was telling him everything and he just goes, ah, shit. And I went, what? Like, why do you do that? What, what's wrong? Like, this is good news and you're making a big fucking stink about it. And he goes... I was just hoping we'd get it before the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Cool, Dad. You know, you had this really weird way of making me feel like I fucked up when I didn't. Oh, I wasn't trying to make you feel that. And I'm like, I get so irritated by that fucking phrase of his. Like, he pisses Mom and I off frequently. And he doesn't realize what he did. He just, like, yeah. he's a fucking, he's the type of person that's just vomit from the mouth. Yeah, with words, and then and then we go, what the fuck was that? And he's just like, what? And then we tell him, and it's always, I wasn't trying to make you mad. I wasn't trying to piss you off. And I'm like, if you're not trying to, then don't. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Or uh, acknowledge. I realize. Sorry, I upset you. I'm gonna try to do better. That's you that's know. that's what he's. That's what he's trying to say with the I wasn't trying to. Um but yeah, so but that's been that's been my last week was just a lot of work money. <laughs> because what would life be in America without stress with money? You know what I mean? Uh police maybe. brutality, inside trends, uh legislation. <laughs> um no. <laughs> Twitter acting like uh, 
couch uh, activists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, take your pick. There's many things. <laughs> Do you remember a time, Maya, when we didn't have to pay attention to all this shit all the time? I, I do. It was. I do. It was called. We were kids, and there wasn't internet. <laughs> that's what it drives me nuts about that phrasing when people say it. Is I'm like, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, it exists now because the internet exists. The fuck are you talking about? I, dude, I, I tell you right now, if if you start a conversation with me of like kids these days or back in my day, nine times out of ten, you turn into Charlie Brown's parents. Like your generation isn't fucking better than ours. Like people that on on a on a less important scale, when people go, um, you know, like cartoons were better back when I was a kid. Like, no, the fuck they weren't. They're not any better than they are now. Watch them now. Oh, when people people that grew up in the eighties say that their cartoons are better than now, I'm like, I'm like, they're arguably not. Depends on the cartoon. Uh, from both time periods, but that's why I said um, arguably not. Um, I, most cartoons in the '80s were vehicles to sell toys. Now, yes. one one that I am very fond of and will defend to this day is the original Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, um, because it had overarching story and also standalone stories, but it wasn't to sell toys because there were no toys to sell. Right. Uh, um, it, it was there solely as a vehicle to tell story game. and get people into the game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, well, I, I say that pr- primarily because, like, a lot of late 80s, early 90s cartoons were not only there to sell a toy, but they were there because the thing that they were based on was popular. And trying to go back and watch a lot of these cartoons as an adult, it's fucking rough. Yeah, it is. Um, Like, Transformers is mostly fine. G.I. Joe is mostly fine. Ninja Turtles fucking sucks. The Super Mario Brothers Super Show fucking sucks. Um, Thundercats is a rough watch. He-Man's a rough watch. Like, and you're not going to convince me otherwise because of your fucking nostalgia. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Transformers, the standalone episodes aren't as good as the multi-part series episodes. Agreed, agreed, wholeheartedly agreed on that. But, but that's exactly my point: is that people tend to be fully into uh, um this concept that their nostalgia reigns supreme over modern stuff. Yeah. That's not the case. Um, no, it shouldn't ever be the case. I think that you need to judge everything on their own. And I've said this on this podcast a fucking gazillion times, but you need to judge everything on its own merit. Yep. And as much as I love The Last of Us show, it has me worried. Because there are going to be too many people out there going, see what happens when you stay closer to the source material? And I'm just like, man, if you stuck close to Source Material with the Sonic the Hedgehog movies, they fucking suck. Like, the reason that Detective Pikachu works is because it's not based on the games. Directly. Yeah. 
Like, people don't understand this, and they refuse to understand this. Like, I'm fucking stoked for the Mario Brothers game, but it is not accurate to what the games do. It is, it is just, it looks right. And for the most part, sounds right. The only character that doesn't sound right is fucking Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Is. Yeah, that's it. But even then, like, in the shots that we've seen where he talks, it doesn't sound bad. It just sounds like Chris Pratt as Mario. <laughs> Which, what the fuck ever. Like, y'all didn't grow up in the... um in the 80s and 90s when all of our video game adaptation movies are fucking atrocious. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers the movie. Oh. If you want to watch a bad movie to make fun of a bad movie, that's the movie. That's to that's that's a movie to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um anyway, I got a lot to do today, so let's go ahead and get to this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to be reviewing three things today. If you remember from last week, obviously we're continuing uh, Last of Us and Legend of Vox Machina, but we also added uh, Ryan Johnson's new vehicle. And if you don't know who Ryan Johnson is, he he did uh, Knives Out, La- uh, The Last Jedi, and Glass Onion. Um, the also episode of The Fly from Breaking Bad, if you remember that episode. Um, mm-hmm. He's done a bunch of other things. Like he did, um, it's a very popular movie for a minute there, like, crush or crash or something like that crash crash won the oscars i need i need to see that movie um but it's called poker face starring natasha leone um just leon leon i thought it was leone no sergio leone um natasha leone (laughs) um but it's a uh it's a murder mystery show of sorts and i say of sorts because it does it tells its story differently than other murder mysteries. So there's that. Um, but we'll get to that right now. Uh, how do you want to do this, Mike? Since there's five episodes that we're reviewing. Well, it's it's a stylized case of the week murder mystery series. Stars Natasha Leone as Charlie Kale, a chain smoking casino worker on the run who entangles herself into several mysterious deaths of strangers along the way. What's interesting about Charlie is she has this unnatural ability to know when somebody's told her a lie. Every time okay. somebody tells a lie, she pretty much says bullshit, you know. So but she, real quick, before you continue, he did not do that movie. The other two movies that he did that were popular were, were the, the, Brothers, the Brothers Bloom and Looper. Oh, okay. I remember Looper. And then three episodes of Breaking Bad. Um, the Fly from it from season three. And uh, 51 and Ozymandias from season five. Okay. And then Last Jedi Knives Out Glass Onion. So. Go ahead. Sorry. But yeah. Yeah. She's, she's essentially a human truth teller. Human lie detector test, so to speak. Like you could say... A series of phrases to her and if there's a lie in it she'll know you're lying but she won't know what part you're lying about you know so right <clears throat> basically she uses this this ability to unravel the truth when it comes to mysterious murders uh and in the first episode it's called dead man's hand uh we see her best friend 
is actually murdered. Um, and it's interesting. Best friend or just like somebody she's protecting? Well. Because I didn't see that as best friend. I, I, I saw that as something different. But. Yeah, I saw, I saw them as friends. So I, I guess I was just, you know, looking at the. Uh... Well, it's very clear to me that Charlie gives a shit about people. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's more so what it was. And I think it was trying to convey that to us as the audience instead of just letting us like, oh, why is she so nice? So it was like, oh, she just is naturally caring. Yeah, yeah. But I do think there was a friendship established between the two of some sort. Maybe not as close. Yeah. Yeah. But regardless, the episodes all start in a similar fashion. You see... We're introduced to a character. The character uh, is going about their day-to-day routine. Something happens, and the character ends up murdered. And Charlie somehow ties into it or stumbles onto it. And then we're introduced, reintroduced to the character from her point of view. And then she goes into the process of finding out, oh, what's happened here why is this why is this you know happening this way story's not adding up i i gotta figure this out that kind of thing so in the first episode we're introduced to her she's working as a cocktail waitress in a casino and uh we find out a little bit from her from her background she used to be a wandering poker player who would enter into tournaments and she's been blacklisted because she's always uh, cleaned everybody out. And this this one savvy casino owner caught on to her. But he blacklisted her but ended up giving her a job. Uh, Now she's working for his son who's running this casino and one of his high rollers, one of his really big important clients uh, is discovered with some very incriminating evidence of some sort. We're not shown what it is. You're, you know, you can come to your own conclusion as to what it is. Uh, but one of the one of the waitresses or housekeeping uh, workers comes across it, takes it a uh, photo as evidence, and informs her boss, and gets killed for it. All the while. Uh, the guy's wanting to run a con. The casino manager is wanting to run a con on this high roller to teach him a lesson. And he doesn't want anything interfering with him getting his uh, take of this money. And he's employed Charlie to, you know, be able to uh, scam this guy out of his money. And the way it unfolds, it's really cool. Uh, right. Because I think the thing about this show that's really fascinating, and this happens in every episode, it's kind of its its gimmick, if you will. Um, you see the murder before Charlie gets there to solve it, so so to speak. Yeah. Um, but the crazy thing is that Charlie was there when it happened. Yep. And you just get to watch Charlie solve that murder. Um, there's no real mystery per se with the episodes 
like things are revealed as you continue to watch, which is really fucking cool. But like, unlike let's say Knives Out and um, uh, Glass Onion, that are real fucking whodunits, uh, this show is not that. But yeah, this show you know who did it. You just don't know maybe the why they did it sometimes sometimes you do know the why they did it but it's her journey to yeah it's her journey on figuring out that stuff is what's makes what makes it fun yeah um i don't i was trying to think of like do we want to kind of spoil the end of the first episode because that's kind of a that was that was like my favorite cool like i was like oh my god well, basically, at the end of the first episode, I'm not going to spoil it, but just say that her actions and involvement lead to her being more than blacklisted from casinos. She's now being hunted, hunted, hunted relentlessly by this casino owner who had given her a generous life, as he put it, Um and now he's going to eliminate her as his goal. So the head of security at this casino is now in charge of the woman hunt for Charlie. Uh, So she flees. uh, And in the second episode called the night shift, she befriends a trucker one night. And the players in this episode, there's a subway worker who is a you know pretty uh well-known tiktoker there's a gas station clerk and there are a convenience store clerk and then across the road from this subway and convenience store that are side by side is a mechanic shop and the young worker at the mechanic shop is very odd has a crush on the clerk from the uh convenience store and is jealous towards the subway worker and long story short he ends up killing the subway worker and you know charlie's car happened to be there getting repaired and she stumbles into that and you know it's just cool how they tire into the scenarios like why are you here you know it was honestly like episode four that my brain Episode four, my brain finally made the connection of like, oh, during all of these open these opening bits where we get to see the murder, Charlie's there. We just don't yeah. see her until it focuses on her. And I was like, this is a really fucking cool idea. Yeah, yeah. So like the first 10, 15 minutes of the episode, she's not in it at all. And then the last 40 to 50 minutes of the episodes, because they, they run anywhere from 48 minutes to like... 67 or 68 minutes so you know yeah. they're not all uh so well, she's in a about, streaming service so you can do that yeah yeah and because it's on a streaming service and not network tv you know it's pretty no holds barred you know i mean it's tame enough but i would consider it r-rated for sure oh yeah there's cussing and all kinds of shit like that but nothing oh Nothing horrible. Yeah, like you could watch it with your 12-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The third episode cracked me up. Uh, It's called The Stall. Um, 
where she's investigating the murder of a barbecue pitmaster who was murdered by his own brother. But I'm not going to say what it was, but the fucking reveal of why the pitmaster went vegan was the funniest fucking thing to me. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. But that dog, the MAGA dog, was so yeah. funny. That was so good. Like this dog gets in her car uh, at some point and won't get out of her car and it won't stop barking and she's trying to find something on the radio to distract it and she finds right wing talk radio and this dog just shuts up and lays down and listens intently and she tries to change it because it's just harboring some really cringy views. The dog goes fucking ape shit again. So here this dog's forced to fucking forcing her to listen to fucking right wing talk radio, which is just hilarious. Uh, especially when she calls him MAGA dog. Yeah. Uh, but the reveal of who the talk radio host was, was also fucking hilarious. Yeah. I think that's the thing about this show that was, that really surprised me is like, it is a show about murder. It's a show about t- like intense scenarios and situations that our main character, you know, gets herself in. But it's also genuinely like really fucking funny. Like the humor and timing with the humor in this show. This is why I've been fucking like pushing so hard to get you to watch Knives Out and, and Glass Onion because it's the same kind of humor. Well, like, well, this this will. This is convinced me then. I will absolutely check those out, hopefully uh, sometime this weekend if possible. Good. I, I I know you'd love them. If you like Poker Face, here, I'll put it this way to people. If you've watched Knives Out and Glass Onion and you love them, you'll love Poker Face straight up. Because I'm definitely cool. in that boat. <laughs> uh, the fourth episode is called Rest in Metal, and it focuses on uh, Ruby Ruin. Uh, who's working at a big box hardware retailer, but used to be a metal goddess. Uh, And she goes on tour, you know, for three weeks at a time playing shitty dive bars uh, with her band, you know, because they've been around since the 90s. And they had one mega hit that everybody always quotes to them, and she's sick of it. Um, But... Staplehead. Staplehead. Anyway, they have to find a drummer to go on tour with them because they don't have uh, their regular drummer anymore for who knows what reason, right? Uh, Which is established in the episode that we won't spoil here. But this drummer, uh, much younger, very enthusiastic, a little bit of a musical savant. ends up writing a mega hit, which is what the band had been trying to do. And they murder him and then claim the fucking song is their own. Uh, and Charlie is working as a roadie slash merch girl for the fucking band. And that's how she's involved in this one, uh, which is cool. You know, she's taking odd jobs on the run because she realizes she can't use her ATM because if if she does, she's got roughly four hours before this head of security for the casino is on her ass, as we saw that was uh, implemented in episode two. So she's got to live off of cash. 
so it makes it much more difficult. And that's going to, you know, put her in these odd job situations, uh, which is cool. Uh, episode five is called Time of the Monkey, where she's oh, working. Before, oh, go sorry, ahead. before you start with episode five, I wanted to point out that I would say this episode was my least favorite episode. Um, I don't know why. I can't quite explain it. But the music just like it was cringy. <laughs> like I was like, oh, sounds awful. <laughs> well, because it wasn't good. I mean, <laughs> it's not like they, you know, I'm assuming that the budget goes towards everything, not music. Uh, and, you know, trying to license something that's really good or obscure, but really good you know uh, it's just they had to come up with something original and nothing against the riders but that's not heavy metal um, no it's not even punk metal i would argue no no um it was just like the the the, the fucking music they played was so bad but also like i don't know the story just kind of didn't do it for me you know what i mean like yeah this one was probably the weakest out of the five episodes but it wasn't bad no, 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 not bad. Just like, again, like when you hear my score of the show, like, trust me, just because this one episode didn't do it for me doesn't mean like the one episode five, which I stopped Maya from talking about for like a second, favorite episode of the whole show so far. Oh, it's really good. So we find her, she's working in a retirement home and she befriends two uh, residents uh, played by Judith Light from fucking Who's the Boss? Yeah. Fucking Samantha. Uh, and uh, Samantha? Yeah. No, she played. Um, I was not, Samantha, her not Samantha. That was fucking Alyssa Milano. Uh, shit. Um, what was her character's can... name? I'm drawing a blank. I, I looked at it while I was watching it, and I was like, she was, the, Angela. She was the mom. Angela. Angela. That's right. That's right. She was the mom on Who's the Boss. Yes. Uh, to, to hear her <laughs> to hear her call somebody a cunt just cracked me up. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, but her and her friend, uh, Irene and Joyce, I can't remember which one was which, um, they... Uh, they were political prisoners from the 70s. Uh, they end up killing another resident. And then, of course, you know, the story unfolds. We find out why they killed this resident, uh, why they were political prisoners, and why it was justified for them to be locked up for what they were doing. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, that is a fucking hilarious episode. Yeah, I, I, oh my god, I was cracking up the whole time and just had this big fucking shit eating grin because I was like, this is amazing. Like, it was so fucking much fun to watch. Um, the, uh, the fact that, um, like, she was like infatuated with them. She's like, you're the coolest fucking people I've, I've dealt with in a long fucking time. And then that, I was like, oh my god, it's also kind of heartbreaking breaking in regards to that because she's like I really like these two now I have to fucking put them away so I don't know I, I really really fucking enjoyed this episode quite a bit yeah yeah um, 
but uh, but yeah, the whole show is is like it's fascinating because, like I said, it's not a it's not a murder mystery of sorts. Like you're not the one helping her solve it along the way. Like most murder mystery shows, or most even cop shows, where they're trying to figure out the killer. Like it's you know who everybody is before the primary story starts. You yeah. just get to watch the main character essentially solve it with a couple surprise hitches along the way. Um, I think that makes the show more entertaining uh, only due to the aspect of the reveals of things in each story carry more weight when you already know who the killer is. It's not focused on the who done it. It's focused on the why. And that that to me is a really nifty concept, especially for a show like this, where the focus of the writing is comedy. It just is. It's not a tragedy per se. It has tragedy like elements, but because Natasha Leone is fucking funny, um, the, the 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 characters within the stories are fucking funny. Like, I mean, Christ's sake, there's so many moments in episode three that are just outlandishly fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, or like, oh my god, the fucking truck driver that she meets in episode two. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so fucking funny. But like some of that stuff might not stick while you're sitting there in your brain going, Well, who killed who? Not to say that that isn't fun itself, because that's basically what knives out in uh um, glass onion are glass onion. but uh man is it a good fucking time but uh but yeah um i'm gonna go ahead and give the show so far an a uh i don't see much wrong with it like i said you know you're not because it's a that's a type this is a type of show you're not going to get um uh what's the word i'm looking for you're not going to get like every episode is going to be fucking perfect. Every episode is going to be hilarious. I think that three, like you said, is the weakest one, but I think it's the weakest one because it's four. It's also the least funny. Oh, four. Sorry. Four is the weakest one. Cause it's, it's also the least comedic. Like I didn't laugh at this one. Like I did. Like I did, like I did uh, the, the second episode or even the fifth episode. Like, <sighs> Does that make sense? But yeah, I just, you know, and then we got five more episodes of this show too. It's a Ted, Ted season, Ted episode season. And, yeah. uh, and I found out that Clea Duvall is going to be in one of them. And I'm just giddy as hell about that. Who is that? Uh, very, uh, very talented yet underrated actress that I've had a thing for ever since I was, in my early 20s. Um, did you ever see, and it's a cult movie, did you ever see that movie, but I'm a cheerleader that Natasha Leon was in, where she, she, she gets sent to a gay conversion camp? No, I never saw that. Okay. Uh, well, she was from it. Uh, she was also in uh, a lot of movies in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, she does primarily indie stuff, uh, but yeah, you'll you'd know her when you saw her. Anyway. Well, that's I. 
Oh, they, they, speaking on that, that's one of the things about the show that's really fucking fun is the, is the casting. Like, yeah, the it's use very of celebrity guest stars. Yeah, like it's it's very clever in in how they use them and what role they put them in, because a lot of it you wouldn't expect. Like we were just talking about how the mom from fucking uh, who's, who's the, the boss, boss, yeah, is like the character she plays in that episode is not what you would think of her. It's like having fucking June Cleaver come in and play a fucking rapist. You'd be like, what the shit? Like it's it's jarring, but also fucking cool. And I I, oh, I love that so much. It's just it's just fun. Like and it's nice to just watch a show where you don't have to think too much, but it's not it's not you know calling you stupid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just like just sit back, you know, have some fun. Don't worry, don't, don't worry, don't think too much. Just enjoy the show. And uh, I love it. I love it for that. I'm excited for more of the show. So, uh, what rating would you give it? I'm giving an A. Uh, I absolutely love Natasha Leone. Uh, she's great in everything that she's in. You know, uh, I I, I will course, argue she does tend to play the same character, so in everything she's in, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. Uh, of course, you know, I'm also looking at her entire history of things that I have seen and her earlier stuff. Now, I'd say she kind of plays the same character since Orange is the New Black, maybe. It feels like she played the same character in in uh, American Pie, but. I don't know. I was actually talking to our friend Andy about the show, and I was telling him how fun it is. And I said, uh, um, you know, Tasha Leon is in it. I said Leon but whatever. And yeah. uh, he goes, uh, he was like, who is that again? And I was like, I was like, okay, you watched Orange is the New Black, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, the redheaded girl that had like the raspy voice. Um, she was like lesbian in the show, and he goes. Oh, the ugly one from American Pie. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, and his like justification was like standing next to the other women in that show, she is the ugly one. And I'm like, I wouldn't even remotely call her ugly, but okay. No, <laughs> you know not at all. <laughs> and then I bring it up to like to, to Chris and whatnot, and Chris is like, ugly? <laughs> and he's like defending himself again. I'm like, yeah, you should defend yourself when you say shit like that. <laughs> Yeah, not even remotely true. It's fucking hilarious, but uh, I had forgotten she was an American Pie because she's not like a like a central character or anything like that. So no, no, she's like you know she's she's definitely a side character, but an important enough one to have a recurring role. You know, at least sure, the first yeah. two movies. Which and is funny there's... because those movies do not age well. <laughs> not at all. No. But today's current political climate, nope, nope. <laughs> oh my god, the other night, uh, speaking of movies that don't age well, <laughs> I watched Road Trip the other night for the first oh. time in like 15 years. I mean, it's still funny. But, oh, there's some shit in there that just you would be eviscerated for if you tried that shit today. Like, a lot of the humor is, like, very rapey vibes from the guys. Yes. Yes. Very. Very. 
Like people were like showed like that scene in the first American Pie where they're like fil- like they they have a secret camera in that room with the foreign exchange. And I'm like, ooh, boy, how did nobody think this was bad back in the day? <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. <laughs> but um, and that's yeah, the thing. Uh... <laughs> that's the thing. You know, there's so many movies that are like that. You know, it's like. It just, and that brings up another fucking debate on its own. Is it fair to judge things from the past by today's standards? No, not at all. Personally. I think it depends on the situation. Uh, When it comes to entertainment, not so much as, you know, like comparing the morality of slave ownership to the morality of being pro-choice. I think that's entirely fucked. You know, equating that one's no worse than the other. Uh, you know, that's that's a different discussion altogether. Yeah, yeah. I think, to me, in, in regards to, let's just say, American Pie or Road Trip, you have to look at the time that it was made. This stuff was relatively acceptable because it was it was the type of comedy at the time. Yeah. It was no different than us going around at, at school and saying like, oh, we got Jude or even the term gypped. Um, you know, those terms are not okay nowadays because people have opened the door of like, hey, hey, this is really fucking offensive. Can we not? And we go, oh, shit, sorry, my bad. And we don't do it anymore. Um but back in those times, that wasn't said or wasn't loud enough, right? So we as a society have to adjust what we do and say. It's like, I'm not going to sit there and go, you know who we should never read ever again? Uh, Tom Sawyer. Or not Tom Sawyer, but uh, Mark Twain stories. It's like, no, he grew up in a different, like, he, not only did he grow up, but he was around in a different era. So why are we going to demonize somebody who didn't know any fucking better? Like, yeah. It's, it's that simple. It's like, yes, we shouldn't fucking idolize somebody like Christopher Columbus. Um, but at the same time, was it was it acceptable to do back then? Yes, it was. Very much so. So, you know, what, what do you do? Like, do you, you can't cancel someone who's dead. No. No. And honestly, you know, it, I, I hate the term cancel culture because it's not because these people aren't canceled. They still have platforms. They still have voices. They still have the ability to say the things they fucking say. It's just they're being held accountable and they don't fucking like it. It's well, like you I, and I have said before. It's not cancel culture. It's accountability culture. Yes, I'm, I'm using the cancel as in the terms of like... Uh, more of a broad term and less of how the fucking how Twitter uses it. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway. like that's uh, yeah, that, that's that's a whole different conversation. But point I'm point I'm getting at is uh, Natasha Leon is great, and um, she has definitely risen above her staple as a side character, like she was in uh, America. Yeah, yeah. And you should watch fucking Poker Face. It's great. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, The Legend of Vox Machina. 
Yes, episodes seven, eight, and nine at the Fey Realm, the Echo Tree, and the Test of Pride. Because these episodes come out in three three chunks at a time, this is technically the penultimate. Yeah, yeah. The last th- uh, block of three episodes will be released uh, this Friday. Very exciting. And I'm excited to see how it ends because, wow. Um, oh, it'll be fun to talk to Mark too because, uh, you know, he listened to the entire fucking Vox Machina um, streams. Like he's finished it. Oh, okay. So he's more familiar with the actual uh, yes. original campaign and would know the differences between the show and the campaign because there are differences. Oh yeah, when I when I was I was talking to him, like I texted him after watching the first episode of the season, and I went, "No, it was it was it was I was still at work and I had watched it yet, but I saw people tweeting about the Chroma Conclave, so I said, "Hey, the Vox." Vox Machina is going to get going up against the Chroma Conclave. Should I be worried? And he just sends back, yes, very yes. Did I know that they were four ancient dragons? No. <laughs> so. Well, in episode seven, we open up with Keyleth, Vax, Percy, and Vex. Uh, they are in the Fey Realm. And they're trying to navigate its uh, odd dangers. And Percy, of course, is boasting that he's an expert on the Fey Realm because he's read so many books. And, of course, everything he ends up saying that was from the books contradicts what they're actually facing in the Fey Realm, which is funny. Uh, We see Scanlan, Pike, and Grog land uh, in an area in Tal'Dori where Pike's badly injured. Her wound won't close because her blood's being sucked into the Craven Edge. Blade urges uh, Grog to kill Pike and Scanlan, but he finally overcomes the sword and destroys the sword. But as he does so, the sword says, if you take from me, I'm going to take from you. And the next thing we know, Grog is just drained. His physical form, all of his strength is gone, and he's just weak and can't even walk very far without collapsing in total exhaustion. So Pike's like, I know how we can heal him, but we've got to go somewhere. Uh, They take Grog to her grandfather's. Um, Voiced by Henry Winkler. Oh, was he? I didn't even notice that. Uh That's awesome. Yeah. Um, We see that... uh, in the Fey Realm, the group's attacked by plants and jellyfish-like creatures. Vax and Percy eventually defeat the amalgamated creature. Uh, there's a moment between Vax and Percy where Vax like, I appreciate you being here for me, but I think that I'm being pulled in a different direction from the rest of you. You may not be able to follow me where I go. Uh, we meet a satyr named Garmily, voiced by Billy Boyd, who was pipping in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, because I, I was hearing him talk during that episode, and I'm like, why do I recognize his voice? Like, it sounds super fucking familiar. And I had to look up, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's two, <laughs> they've, gotten two of the, they've gotten two of the Hobbits now. Because Dominic Monaghan was in the uh, first one. they got to get Sean yeah. Astin and Elijah Wood now. 
I feel like Sean Ashton is a much easier get than Elijah Wood, but still. I think they're both easy gets at this point. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that in a bad or a derogatory way. I think they would both be down to do this. I would hope so. I really would. Uh, anyway, this Seder, you know, offers to guide them to the Fenthris, the uh, bow that is one of the vestiges of divergence, and it's in Shademerk Bog. We see Thordak and Umbrasil having a conversation about the vestiges of divergence, and Thordak favors riches over mankind's baubles, but allows Umbrasil to keep searching if it will bring them power and give them advantage. Uh, we see uh, Ripley tell Umbrasil that Thordak's a fool for dismissing the power and potential of the vestiges, but Umbrasil trusts Thordak's plan. Uh, then it carries on into episode 8, where the satyr Garmily insists on traveling through this recently arrived city, an elven city in the Fey Realm. Uh, Vax states that it's Singhorn, or Sing Singorn, the place where the twins grew up. Uh, find out when the city is under great danger, it can teleport entirely to a new location. So the city, uh, with the threat of the Chroma Conclave, has teleported to the Fey Realm where they'll be safe. As uh, safe as they can be in the Fey Realm, I guess. Uh, they, they're brought before the twins' father, Ambassador Sildor Vesser, who dismisses both the twins' accomplishments in their quest for the Fenthris. Uh, they also meet their younger half-sister. Percy stands up for Vex and informs Sildor that she's in fact Lady Vexalia, Baroness of the Third House of Whitestone. Percy later apologizes to Vex for springing that on her and grants her a trick arrowhead that he made for her. She thanks Percy. No one other than Vex has ever stood up for uh, her. Before you continue, before you continue. Yes, yes. So I watched a clip from when that happened in the campaign in real life. Yeah. Um, the guy who plays, uh, Percy, um, drawing a fucking blank on his name right now. He sprung that on Matt in the middle of the campaign. Oh, uh, Matt had no idea what like Percy was going to do or what, um, the player was going to do. And so Matt's reaction as, is it Sildor? That's mm -hmm. fucking name. Yeah. Sildor was completely different than in the show. But the show's version makes more sense to his character. Like, I'll have to send you the clip, but he was very, like, Matt was very taken aback. He was just like, oh, <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the fact that they added that in the show almost verbatim, other than, like, Sildor's response is so fucking cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, th players will always throw a DM off of their fucking game. You got to be able to react and go with it. As, yeah, as they should, Crash Castle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see hey, in the bog that the cursed Archfey Sondor draws Vex to the heart of the tree, which contains both him and the Fenthris, while setting tree monsters on the rest of the party. Uh Sondor preys on Vex's sadness from Sildor's mistreatment of her. Vex overcomes and kills Sondor by stabbing in the heart with the trick arrowhead. Then she claims the Fenthras. Garmily opens a porter, a portal, a porter, opens a portal back to Taldori as payment for entertaining him. 
and we see Pike's great-great-grandfather Wilhelm Trickfoot removing the corruption caused by Craven's Edge, which should allow Grog to recover his strength. And then we get into the last episode, Test of Pride, which is a little bit of a Grog backstory, and we see that he was part of the Horde, uh, or the Herd, the Herd of Storms, not the Horde. Uh, we it see looks a like young, a Horde. Yeah, yeah. A uh, young Grog is indiscriminately murdering small folk in a band of uh, in a band of marauders. Uh, we see in the present that Pike, Scanlan, and Grog reach West, West Room. Scanlan scouts ahead and encounters a gnome named Kaylee, a member of Dr. Dranzo's traveling troop, hiding with the troop and other locals. Grog tells Pike his brutal history with the herd of storms, encountering a cowering Wilhelm, changed his mind on the herd's behavior. He was then left for dead after being beaten by his uncle Kevdak, who wields the Titan Stone Knuckles vestige. Wilhelm brought Pike to heal Grog, as Grog was kicked out of the herd for saving Wilhelm. Uh, we see Umbrasil and Ripley arrive in the city and admonish Kevdak for the reduced amount of gold that's being paid as tribute. We see Umbrasil inform Kevdak that he has three days to increase the tribute, or Umbrasil will take the vestige upon his return. Grog and Pike sneak into the city to find Scanlan, help him evacuate the survivors who are afraid of Grog, and at the city gates, Grog decides he must stand up to the herd, even though he hasn't recovered his strength. Kevdak beats his son in front of the herd for undermining his rule, and Grog arrives to challenge him for rule of the herd of storms, and that's where we leave off. Yeah, it was... He just fucking screams his name, fucking shriveled up. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be dope because like I kind of have this feeling that what's gonna happen is that like in the middle of that fight, Grog's gonna get his fucking strength back and just go to town. And one of the things that's been asked uh all season long, uh Grog's been faced with the question, where does your strength come from? I think he's finally gonna have that realization where his strength really does come from and that's how he's gonna get it back. Yeah. Which is super fucking fun to watch. Um much like Poker Face, this show has some really fucking dark, mature-rated themes while also being really fucking funny. Yes. Um, which, and, I, and I've argued this a thousand times. This is why Marvel is successful, y'all. Like, I see the joke all the time. Oh, it's written like Marvel. Good. It should fucking be written like Marvel. Like, a lot of times watching certain shows that have heavy themes... You need that levity. Otherwise, yeah. the show's just super fucking depressing. I'm not saying the world doesn't, like, there isn't a place for depressing shows or super dark shows. But I'm saying that, like, sometimes shit can be more fun if you have a lot of levity. And that's what Vox Machina does for me. Like, I am excited to watch it, not because the stories, because let's be honest, the stories of these characters are very baseline style Dungeons and Dragons background stories. Um, you know, you got daddy issues or you got, uh, you know, you're afraid of something or, or like, I mean, I just like a lot of it doesn't seem, it seems like it's, it's roughly their first fucking character they ever created for D&D. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
when we when we started our campaign that we're still on, a lot of the characters that we are playing as don't have extravagant backgrounds because we're new to D and D. Well, you know, also you can get creative with shit down the road, but yeah, you can get creative and add flavor to your character as it goes along, but you don't need an extravagant fucking backstory to start playing. Well, That's like what... I think if we're talking about Critical Role, because we technically are, yeah. Um, in their second campaign, they got they branched out a bit more. Their characters' backstories are a little bit more complex and a little bit more thought out and fleshed out before they even started. By the third campaign, holy Toledo. Yeah. Like, it is so fucking drastically different from everything else that it was like, they know how to play the game. They know what they're doing. They they have a flow. They have a system. Why not go full bore with these character stories? That's D&D. That's D&D right there. I'm so fucking excited that, that, that the Mighty Nine is getting its own show. Because you're going to get to see these characters in their extravagant backgrounds yeah um it's going to be a lot of fucking fun like travis for example you know he's playing he plays grog mm-hmm. grog is a dumb giant uh, uh giant uh not giant um is he a giant no goliath half giant. well they, they, they call giant him a half goliath they call him a half giant in this he's supposed to be Pretty sure he's supposed to be Goliath, but they might have changed it for the show. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's just a big dumb fucking barbarian, right? And that is very atypical of a barbarian character. Um, you can branch out, you can mix race with fucking barbarian, and it gets crazy. Like you can do a gnome barbarian, and that shit's hilarious. Yeah. But you have to like, they all went pretty baseline with their characters in this, but. In, in campaign two, Travis plays a half orc who was a fucking who's like a sailor, but now is a uh, what do you call the, the the class that like has like the the person themselves doesn't have magic but the weapon they have does, but the weapon's kind of alive if you will. Hexblade. He's a hexblade warlock. Oh, okay, okay. Um, that sh- like that's more complex. Like when you go from Grog to a fucking half orc, that's a that's a fucking hexblade warlock. That is drastically fucking different. Yeah. So, like the girl who plays uh, Vex, Laura Bailey, her second character is a cleric tiefling. Um, oh, cool. Like that's different. Uh, fucking um, uh, uh, Sam, you know he plays Scanlan, who's a, a gnome barbarian. In the second campaign. He's a, a um, what did I say? Barbarian. Sorry, bard. I meant, yeah, gnome, gnome bard. Which is a is a funny combo, but not super weird, right? Because bards aren't usually big. That's why I went with a half-orc for, our, uh, for that first campaign we ever did. Yeah. Um, but in, in campaign two, um, he plays a goblin like made a full class he plays a goblin rogue nice so that's my point is that like that's what i'm so excited about season two it's gonna be fucking weird uh but 
the other thing that we we've talked about this the other thing that makes D so much fun is that you're hanging out with your friends and you're cracking jokes and you're making you know you're making fucking silly shit like that scene in episode four or five it was when they were about to go get that first vestige vestige mm-hmm. um and they're at the campfire and the 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 tiefling woman um i remember her name she she mentions uh one of like the people that i i don't remember if he teamed up or fought against the gods when the um that ancient event had happened yeah but uh the character's name is Pervon Soul, right? Um, he was played by like they did a whole four episode fucking history of the um, not Catalyst. It was the uh, there's a whole background to Alexandria that they created with Matt and whatnot. But oh, okay, yeah, they had a four episode podcast thing where Brendan Lee Mulligan uh, DM'd it, and it was like it it basically told the history of how the world that that our main characters from from campaign one two and three exist in and uh the character's name is pervon soul in the show when she says the name pervon they all make a joke about getting their perv on making fun of him making fun of his name that happened at the table in real life but it wasn't the characters making those jokes. It was the players making those jokes because yeah. they were teasing Matt about coming up with the character name Pervon. Yeah. But tied it into the show because that's what makes D&D fun is just cracking those dumb jokes with your friends. Oh, yeah. That's what I love about this fucking animated series is they did that right. Cracking those dumb jokes work as long as you don't have somebody with a stick up their ass playing. Huh. Hmm. Agreed. But um, yeah. So I don't know. Is these three episodes a plus? Like this whole show is getting an a plus. I guarantee. Like, there's nothing they can do at this yeah. point that's gonna turn me yeah. away. So the episodes have been fucking stellar. The storytelling has been stellar. It's been fucking wonderful. In fact, season two has been better than season one, and I loved season one. But yeah. Season two has been fan fucking tastic, a fucking plus, and that's probably going to be the fucking grade for the final three episodes. You know they've not let us down yet. I mean, yeah how do you, how do you go fucking nine episodes at a plus and then suddenly just drop the fuck off? Like, what do you do to do that? Really, it's like, oh, it's so it's so fantastic, and and that's the thing I've, I've been reading a lot of people say is that. Um, they only fought three big bads in the entire Vox Machina campaign. They're going to finish this off with getting the vestiges and fighting the Chroma Conclave. If they don't, then they could stretch the Chroma Conclave arc into two two seasons. I don't but see if- them. I don't see them getting four more vestiges and facing the Chroma Conclave in the next three episodes. That's that's going to that's, carry over into a third season. It has to. That's fair. I mean, that's it's fine by me. It's it's because people are saying that like if if they do defeat the Chroma Conclave in this this season, then there will only be one more season. But in that same vein, like 
then you have at least at bare fucking minimum four seasons for the mighty nine. And then that gives them time to, you know, by the time they're done with that, they'll have finished campaign three and then they'll probably get greenlit for that. (laughs) And then everybody can see fresh cut grass. (laughs) They need to make sure that that joke is in the fucking animated show. You know, joke I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Oh my god, that fucking that's what so are some good. Of your favorite uh, scents. <laughs> uh, for anybody, for anybody that doesn't know, so so uh, uh, Sam, the guy who plays Scanlan, he plays a um, an automaton named uh, Fresh Cut Grass. And is when he a, party, is he a, is he a warforged? Yes, but that's not fucking told to you until later. Um, okay, okay. Calamity. That's the name of the fucking ancient event. Jesus Christ. Uh Samsonite. I was way off. Um. Yes. Yeah, uh, so Sam, yeah, Sam plays a a Blizzard automaton that's very friendly. Like he's a, he's a cleric. That's his class. And uh, when they meet him for the first time, they're like, "So, so your name is Fresh Cut Grass?" And he's like, "Yeah, my name's Fresh Cut Grass." And they're like, "What? Like, is that like a nickname?" Or and he's like, "Nope, that's just that's just what I'm called." And they're like, well, how did you get that name? And he goes, oh, my my creator, she uh, she named all of us after her favorite scents. She named uh, one of us, um, like, apple pie. She named one of us, uh, like, I don't remember what the other one was, but it was like, it was a bunch of regular scents. And she's like, and then she named one of us pussy. Yeah. And if, oh, my God, everyone's <laughs> fucking dying at the table. Oh god, yeah. That joke came back up at like uh, like episode thirty nine or whatever, and and Matt's just like, "You motherfucker, you waited that long to make this joke work." <laughs> Matt Sav's just like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good." But all right, well let's uh, uh, let's talk about uh, episode four of The Last of Us. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna while you're explaining the plot, I'm gonna go meet for for just a few minutes. So okay. keep them occupied, but I'll I'll you just have. But now, so uh, if for Last of Us, go go, Mike, go. Now, episode three, if you recall, we gave our first ever S tier, and how do you follow up an S tier episode? Well. You know, generally something like that is going to be a little bit of filler slash setup. And that's what this was. Uh, We do see some character growth, uh, but it opens up. It's called Please Hold My or Please Hold to My Hand. Uh, We see Joel and Ellie traveling in Bill's truck through Missouri on their way to Wyoming. And they take a necessary detour through the ruins of Kansas City, where they're ambushed by bandits. Joel kills two of them, but a third overpowers him and nearly strangles him to death before Ellie saves him by shooting the man with Frank's pistol. More bandits, led by Kathleen, find the bodies. Kathleen, believing Joel and Ellie are in contact with a man she seeks named Henry, orders a manhunt. Joel and Ellie bond as he helps her, uh, as he lets her keep the pistol and shows her how to 
grip it properly so it can't be taken away from her. Kathleen's second-in-command, Perry, shows her a room with something growing underground. Kathleen orders him to conceal it until they find Henry. Until they can scout a way out of the city, Joel and Ellie choose to sleep in a high-rise apartment for the night, but they are awakened in the middle of the night to find Henry and his brother, Sam, holding them at gunpoint. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a slower-paced episode, uh, but a lot does happen. We actually see uh, Joel and Ellie sharing laughs by episode's end. Yeah. Uh, she's got this book, which is lifted from the games. Literally, like, uh, exactly. Exactly the same book. But uh, it's a book of puns. And, you know, she tries out the first night they're camping out in the woods before they get to Kansas City. Uh, Joel's stopping for the night. Uh, and she's like, why'd the Scarecrow get an award? And Joel's like, because he was outstanding in his field. You know? And she's like, you dick. And they go to sleep. Uh, we see them stopping and getting gas. And Joel explains they have to siphon gas like every hour. Because gas breaks down over time, and most of the shit's mainly water now, so they're going to have to stop for gas a lot. You know, uh, they're not going to have to stop for gas anymore because they don't have a truck anymore, <laughs> you know, or supplies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this this fucking episode, you know, we we see her save Joel's life, and. In his own awkward way, he tells her thank you. Uh, he's like, it's not fair. You're just a kid. You shouldn't have to encounter this feeling at such a young age, this feeling of hurting others. And to which she replies in a beautiful way that wasn't my first time. You know, alluding to probably events we'll see in episode eight. Um uh, that which will be the DLC episode, if 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 rumors are true. Yeah, because before I understand, uh, episode eight is is that, um, and uh, it's because uh, episode nine is the is the, the the big event that we're not spoiling. Yeah, yeah. Because if you haven't watched, if you haven't played the game, you don't know what's coming around the corner. Watching this show with my folks has been a fucking blast because they don't, don't know the game. And um, the second that Henry and Sam were on screen, I got fucking giddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I love how Sam had, like, the superhero mask painted on. Mm -hmm. That was a very nice touch by them. And see, in the, in the game, this occurred in Pittsburgh. Yes, and yes, yes the group of bandits were just simply called hunters and there was no reason for them to be after Joel and Ellie or Henry and Sam, other than, you know, these people are out after resources. Um, but in this, they've given the hunters a face. They've given them a leader in Kathleen played by Melanie Linsky, who I also adore. Um, but, they given them a reason to be hunting Henry and Sam. 
and Joel and Ilya are basically caught in the crossfire of this. Um, right. But yeah, it's the way they've gone about adapting this fucking game into a show is just it's better so than far it's been so far it's flawless and yeah you know in the game the you don't have any downtime you're always going from point a to point b to point c to point d you're always on the go yeah. you're always on the move so the character growth the bonding between Joel and Ellie comes in bits of dialogue during gameplay. Like when they're out in the field uh, exploring, uh, trying to make it from one destination to the next. The conversations that they have are, you know, lifted from the gameplay and inserted into scenes like, you know, that little campfire. Or not campfire, but the little camp, you know, when they're camping out in the woods that first night. Yeah, she's like, can we build a fire? I'm freezing. He's like, why am I going to tell you no? And she says, people. And he's like, yep. Because they don't want to attract people. You know, he even makes it a point that the infected, it's too remote for the infected. But it's not too remote for people. And people yeah. are what's really to be feared. Well, that's I think that's you know a message that the game really tries to send, and it does a very good job at that. Is the the real monster during an apocalypse would be people, and the show is doing an excellent fucking job of showing that. Because I've seen a lot of criticism from the fans of the game saying like, why aren't we seeing more fights with the infected? And I'm like, because you killed more humans in that game than you did affected. Straight the fuck up. Yep. Like. I showed my parents the fight right after the scene that in the truck. Oh yeah. And I watch, I go, I go watch, watch how many people Joel kills. And it was like, it was a solid 15. And mom goes, it was only three in the show. And I went, cause that's more realistic. That's arguably better. Like, do you want to watch Joel kill fucking 15 people in a, in a, in a situation? She was like, no. And I was like, before video game, that's fun because you have to have gameplay. She goes, oh, that makes sense. So, uh, this show, oh my God, this show is so fucking good. Like, it is doing an excellent job at not only, like you said, adapting the, the, the story from the game, but doing arguably, in my opinion, a better job like than the game, telling the story better than the game. Like, giving a face to those marauders, brilliant, fucking brilliant. Like, it doesn't just make them faceless fucking enemies like the game did. It makes them understandable to a point, you know? Like, the woman, you know, she's talking to her old doctor. And there's something there. And it's not showing her as ruthless, but reasonably ruthless. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I I don't feel like I'm giving any episode less than an A+. This, this, that, like, it's just, it's just too well done. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's not going to get the S tier ranking of last week. I mean, because how do you follow that? Well, you know, they followed it well enough. You know, I mean, they, they carried on uh, exactly like the game progresses, just changed location. But 
yeah, it, it's they've done it. They've had ten years on how to how do you perfect this story, which is already a wonderful way to tell a story in a video game. Well, ten years later, they've fucking done it. They've managed to tell the story better. Uh, it's, it's a fucking plus. It's fucking wonderful. Yeah, next week is going to be wild. I know that. I know that Sam and Henry are in a total of three episodes, or at least that's what IMDb says. So they're going to be around for a minute, and I'm excited. Oh, oh, that's another thing about this episode I want to point out to everybody. The guy who played Tommy in the video game is in this episode. He's in the each bearded episode? guy that talks directly to. No, he's in this episode that we just watched. He was in the first episode. No, 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 no. The guy who plays Tommy in the video game. It, he's in this episode. Who played him or who voiced him? Well, both, because they did mocap. I was going to say he was the radio operator in the first episode. When Joel trades him the cigarettes, you know, asking to hear from Tommy, that was the guy who voiced Tommy originally. If I'm not mistaken. Well, because I because I know that like the guy who um who does play Tommy in the video game, like he was making a he was he was talking about it on Twitter and whatnot. Like he was like, Are you guys ready? And Neil was fucking quote tweeting him and he even has it in his bio. Like he's like Tommy in Last of Us and Perry in Last of Us HBO. Huh. Well, that's cool. I'm not sure if it's the same guy that was on the radio, but... I'll have to look it up. I could be mistaken, but I was thought that was who it was. But, yeah. Well, our, um, yeah. Well, do we want to wrap this puppy up? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, next week, Last of Us, Episode 5, Vox Machina, Episode 10, 11, and 12, which will be the finale, and Poker Face, Episode 6. Um, I have that written down wrong on my notes here. I almost said Episode 1 through 5, which would have been no, made no sense. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, it looks looks like from uh, after next it'll just be fucking last of us and poker face until both shows end so we'll see yeah. if we add anything along the way but i i don't think there's much coming well up. that should that um, should carry us into season but, uh, three of the mandalorian is what it should do yeah yeah well i think because yeah cause actually mandalorian starts three, before poker face ends <laughs> before last of us ends it'll be three weeks yeah. of last of us and mandalorian so but yeah, so you know, a couple of, yeah, and that's that. Uh, guys, make sure you follow us on all socials, which are listed down below. Uh, that's what we'll let you know if we add anything and keep updated with us as, as best as we can. We're really bad about it, but that's where you that's where you do that at. Uh, check out our Teespring store if you want to get our faces on your chest or the logo on uh, another piece of merch. There's plenty of stuff over there, and uh, all the proceeds go into this podcast. Also, Maya, what's that uh, discount code again? Uh, AQU15. 
gives you 15% off all your overall purchases. Um, there you go. Uh, and let us know if you bought anything. We'll give you a shout out if you want to. Um, head on over to uh, YouTube if you want to watch. Like that, you get, well, no, I do this every week. We're not even using video anymore, guys. Uh, it's just for, for the time being for both of us. So, um, for the time being, we're not. Yeah, I was like, we're still going to upload. Yeah, I was like, we're still going to upload the, the the podcast on YouTube. It'll just be you know us talking. So, um, but yeah, there's that in the links. Uh, that's it for my notes. Maya, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my name, Maya Dawn Fisher. It's a public profile and is linked to my Twitter and Instagram handles. Uh, so it's your one-stop shop for everything that I'm up to. Greg, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on all uh, Trap Rock Geek on all socials. Um, I got really nothing special, so go check those out. I, re- I upload a lot of clips on my Twitter, so if you want to see some funny video game clips with my friends, that's where you'd find that. But yeah, that's it. Uh, guys, again, new episode of Last of Us, new episode of Poker Face, new episodes of Vox Machina. Go check those out. Join us next week. Um, and thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. And always remember, fuck the GOP, fuck the NRA, donate and help where you can. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. <laughs>